The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We are coming to you live from Salem, New Hampshire, and we are going to talk about the importance of social distancing as it relates to dogs, not only today, but always. And we'll explain what that topic means in a little bit. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. The quirky tip of the day is uh, these thin biothane leashes. So I know we've talked about biothane before, but... Um, the, my biothane guy just started sending us these thinner ones also. They're great for small dogs. So it's about the width of, I don't know, the car key. So I don't know. I didn't measure it with it's like five eights or something. a ruler. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's thinner, it's smaller, it's lighter, um, and uh, they're, they're just great. The hardware is a little bit smaller, so if you have a real large clip on the collar, it might not be the best fit. But um, these thin leashes for the small dogs, and you can get them... Through us, if you write us at studio at thequirkydog.com or contact us through Facebook um, at Canine Healing, I can hook you up with them. But they're not a product that we inventory all the time. But since they're so cool, I thought I'd share it for the tip of the day. Well, it's a nice light leash, but it's also very strong. They're not going to chew through it easily and all yeah. that kind of and stuff. Yeah, and we like so the biothane, as we've said before, because it's animal friendly and it doesn't smell and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. All right. Mir- miracle product. <laughs> You're going to bury me in biothane. Oh, Lord. So um, my good friend in Canada, Jen Grew, she's a dog trainer, actually, on the east end of Canada. She came up with this topic today, and I really like it. So basically, um, the whole premise is why it's inappropriate to make a fuss over someone else's cute dog and invite yourself over to say hi when the the owner is giving you a clear signal of, like, this isn't good, my dog isn't feeling comfortable and everything else. And then while I got my phone in my hand, I found this meme the other day too that tied directly into that that I loved. So this says, um, dogs are like cleavage. Just because they are in public doesn't make it okay to stare or touch at them. And I liked that. And then it says, oh my God, listen to him. (laughs) (laughs) Grab him by the cleavage. um, Talk to my president about that. Stop it. Uh, Every time there's a cigar, he has to do a Trump drop. Uh, So, and then at at the bottom of that, tying into this, it says, and remember, as as much as you love your own dog, that doesn't mean that every dog wants you all up in their face. And it's so entirely true. There's a video going around. I don't know if it's a Doberman or what, but this person is like kissing the Doberman's face and the Doberman like full on attacks the person. It's terrible to watch. I can't even really watch it. But there's a lot of times that you don't want someone to approach your dog. Your dog may be totally fine, but one, you don't want to deal with it. Two, with the pandemic, there's been germs and everything and people touching your dog has been a thing. And three, it's not their right to have to come up and do it. So Scott did a YouTube video, I don't know, last year about being assertive when you have a dog on a leash and ways you can block the public and stuff too. Do you want to give some tips for how you can help your dog? I mean, most uh, dog trainers know um, or have seen the Peter Kane video, which came out probably three years ago. Good one, if you haven't seen it. That he titled, Don't Pet My Dog, Damn It, or something to that effect. And he went on. He probably a, had an F bomb. He in went there. on a big rant about someone coming up and getting all over his dog. I, understandably, he was irritated. But the fact that the video went viral just kind of showed you how big of an issue it is, because it really kind of hits a nerve with a lot of dog owners when people are running up on their dog 
and just, you know, not even asking, but if they do ask and you say, I'd rather that you didn't. They're offended. They're all pissed off yeah. at you. You're going to stand there and have an argument with you about the fact that they can't pet your dog for five <laughs> minutes. I mean, it's, it's crazy, you know? And so it's kind of nice now with this social distancing that it's, it's kind of pushed it off a little bit. It's a little bit easier now because people are not well, they used to not be closing the gap. Now people aren't taking it as seriously again. Yeah, but I mean, if your dog, unless your dog's on a flexi and can go up to that person, normally if they're on, you know, a five or six foot leash like this, by the time they're actually seeing your dog, they're within six feet and everything too. So it's been a good reminder that the social distancing thing actually benefits dogs. And it's something that you should carry forward into the whole life of your dog. Because even if someone, this is a bunch of different ways this can go. So dog is super social people are petting it. They're always being reinforced by different people on the street. Same thing when they meet other dogs, but this is more strangers and dogs. So they're excited to see a person. The person comes over and pets it. All that's doing is perpetuating that cycle. So now the next time they see a person, they're going to be even more excited because the last time they lured the person over, they got love, everything else. Maybe the dog's a little bit shy. Many people, most people, I would say, don't know how to approach a dog that's shy. What are your tips that you always share with people as far as helping a dog through that? Well, the general public are idiots. That's my opinion. I know, but it just <laughs> impart some wisdom on how well, you Well, I would do say that. that if you're allowing your dog to drag you towards people that are giving it a lot of love and attention, you're reinforcing behavior that's you don't like. That's what I like, said last time. And then you have to put a lot of pressure on your dog to not pull. Okay, but sucks. I want to talk about if it's a shy dog, how do you... If it's a shy dog... Well, I don't let people approach my dog regardless, but... If I were going to let my dog interact with a person, it would be on the dog's terms. So I would give the person some treats. They could toss a treat on the floor between me and the dog. If my dog chose to go see them, then maybe they can uh, have a little interaction. But if my dog says, I don't trust you and you know, I think you're a freak show, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and from a happen. trainer's perspective, like Scott normally turns his body sideways to be a little less um, imposing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, doesn't make direct eye contact. If he does offer food, he may toss a treat at first or hold it in the very like tip of his fingers rather than like ask the dog to eat out of the hand real close to you. So there's a bunch of different techniques there, but the public isn't going to actually follow those or do any of those. So it's important that you're an advocate for your dog. So now the dog's too friendly. You're reinforcing that behavior. The dog's maybe a little bit shy. People don't know how to approach it correctly to make the experience better for the dog. If you have a shy dog, obviously you want to have good experiences with humans and dogs on the street and wherever else. And you want that to build the dog's confidence, not ruin the confidence. Maybe you have a dog that can get a little bit aggressive or, you know, not only is unsure, they're a little bit forward with their aggression and you don't want people approaching the dog in that instance either. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can be assertive if you have a dog on the street on a leash, let's use the pig and you can try to show some examples of these because you're a good one about this. About the pig. Okay, we All have right. an aggressive pig. <laughs> and we have children about to run up on We're it. We're going to leash the pig up. All right, so uh, if you're here, show them a few things that you do to help Well, what this. I do just to avoid that interaction without being a total dick, which is an option. You can just be rude. We're and still say, working hey. through that, but he has his moments. Uh, it's easier, certainly easier. <laughs> But what I do is when I hear someone saying, oh, look at the dog, and, and they're starting to come into my space as I'm walking, I will reinforce some healing, and I will give my dog all of my attention. I might even use some treats or something. But I don't look at these people at all, and I just keep walking. And what the people are looking for, in my opinion, that is telling them it's okay to approach your dog is eye contact. If you look at these people, 
you've heard what they said, you look at them, they're immediately just coming in. Even if you're saying, please don't pet my dog, just once they get that eye contact with you, they're like not thinking clearly anymore, they're just going to come in, uh, and or it's going to be, you're opening the uh, invitation for dialogue at that point. Oh, I want to pet your dog, I'd rather you didn't. Why not? Back and forth, back and forth. I don't want to talk to people. I just keep going. I don't look at the people, and I just keep walking. And that that goes, helps most always. I never have a problem with that. Yeah, and that goes for the dogs, too, because now this person is locking eyes with your dog, and they're creating this connection. If you're regaining the dog's attention, and if you can't do that on a leash on the street or wherever you may be, you might want to do some attention games and some training so you can actually engage your dog. But he's also getting his dog from locking eyes also. So now, because he's created engagement with him, that person and the dog aren't going to connect because that's a similar thing. It's like this magnetism of like, oh, the dog's looking at me. I'm looking at him. I'm going to go, 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 go. And it's a known fact that we, you know, get increased levels of oxytocin and everything else by petting dogs. But that isn't your right to go up and pet somebody else's dog just because it makes you feel good. Yeah. And then if if they're still coming and it's a, a situation where they're they're on the other side of your dog, so your dog is between you and this person. Yeah. Here, you then I the would pig. Then I would just pull the tighten it, shorten up on my leash and just manage my dog by the dog is here, just pulling them back so that now the dog is <laughs> over on this side. And, uh, with, I, while I'm moving, just shifting my dog over to my right side from my left to put my body between the public and my dog. And I've learned all this stuff through necessity because I've had dogs in the past that would bite the shit out of someone that got in their space and started doing all kinds of crap to them. And it's a lot of responsibility to have a dog like that, but you learn how to handle a dog like that in all situations uh, because I didn't want anything to happen to the dog. I didn't want him to get, I didn't want to have any kind of legal issues. I didn't want to have um, somebody get hurt, you know. I didn't want to lose the dog because I enjoyed the dog, but he was sharp and uh, he wasn't great with people he didn't know. So I learned a lot of these techniques with him. Yeah, and you know, if your dog isn't going to be aggressive, that's fine. If your dog's going to be friendly, that's fine. I can't remember the last time I saw an interaction on the street with a dog and a human where the dog was just like calm and behaving appropriately and the person petting it wasn't escalating the situation. Maybe if you're talking about like some 15-year-old golden at the vet's office and you go up and, you know, the dog is just real subdued and everything goes fine, but there could be jumping. Now all of a sudden your dog jumps up on somebody, scratches them on the street. It, it doesn't have to be forward aggression. It's just your dog has to, you know, people want to come see the dog and they're like, oh, he's jumping. You know, Home Depot is my favorite. The Home Depot employees walk around with treats all the time and we'll take pet dogs to Home Depot a lot just to get them out on a field trip, see what they're like in another situation. And without fail, the employees are like, oh, can I give the dog a treat? And if you say yes, then they start sit, sit, sit. Like, no, if you're going to give the dog a treat, like literally all I want you to do is take the treat out and give it to my dog. Don't ask him to do anything. Don't start training my dog. Don't act like Cesar Milan. Just give the treat. So normally even employees at Home Depot that are used to seeing dogs every day or Lowe's or Big Lots or whatever you want to call it with any dog-friendly places, they're not even respecting boundaries and doing things properly. They asked to do something, you agreed to it, and then they totally changed the course of the game. Yeah, and uh, dog trainers and um, general pet owners tend to look at socialization very differently. And dog trainers look at socializing a dog by getting them exposed to different situations, different surfaces, environments, so that the dog is confident in all situations. It's not about greeting every dog on the street, seeing every person, every child, you know, every handicapped person. That's not what we mean by socialization. We want the dog to be well-behaved 
in all situations and be comfortable walking you know, on wet grass and like, you know, doing these type of things and not being stressed out about it, you know? Yeah. A well-socialized dog is honestly like a balanced dog. If you're going to think of that, an emotionally balanced dog, a dog that can adapt to new situations and everything else. So we talked a little bit about how you can kind of block this off from the get go and everything else, but some people are super, super, super pushy. So after break, we're going to give you some more tips on people like that and why the correct interactions are important for times like when you're at the vet and everything else. So and we're going to have some links to some stun guns, some bear spray. <laughs> what else are we recommending? <laughs> this is an aversive we're acting like. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick break for Happy Howies. We'll see you when we get back. Happy Howie's all-natural dog treats are made with real, slow-cooked beef, lamb, and turkey. Choose from deli-style sausages, wolf sticks, jerky, burger treats, and our soft meat roll treats. All of our treats are available in bulk or in convenient resealable packages. And dogs just love Happy Howie's. They are made in the USA and available at thousands of retailers nationwide. And online at happyhowies.com. Try Happy Howies today and save 10% with promo code QUIRKY10. Happy Howies. We're making it real. We um, have had so many guests on lately that we haven't had our quirky question of the day segment pop up. So um, we filtered through all of our questions that have been piling up, and Scott liked this one most. So the question was from Fred in Alabama, and it was, what do I do if animal control comes to the house? And this is a legitimate question that any animal owner, especially a dog owner with a barking dog, may encounter. So what's the answer there? Because this is a topic near and dear to your heart. Well, uh if animal control comes to your house, probably there's been a complaint. Uh, it could be a neighbor. Most likely it's a neighbor and it's a barking issue, something like that. Or it could be another, if you're a breeder, it could be another breeder who's just trying to throw you under the bus and get kind of undermine your business or something. But the bottom line is uh, an animal control officer is, a, you know, he's a, a government official. He or she. He or she. And I would not let them on the property, let alone in my house. I wouldn't be rude. There's no need to be rude. But they're going to ask you if they can come in. They're not going to tell you they're coming in. They're going to say, could I come in and take a look around? We've had some issues with this, that, and the other thing. Now, if you're this responsible dog owner, you're going to say, oh, of course, no problem, because you know that your dog is well cared for. You know that your home is clean. And you might even be proud of the fact that your house is clean and that your crates are nice and the dog has water and all that stuff. But they're going to come in and start taking pictures of everything. And you don't know, um, it's just not in your best interest to ever let someone come into your house with that, you know, unless they have a warrant, that's going to start taking pictures and documenting things that you're doing. It's none of their business and they have no right to do it. So the bottom line is be polite, but decline to allow them to come in and look around. Uh, there shouldn't be, if there's... Now, the only reason they could come in is if they heard someone screaming for help or gunfire in the house or some BS that gives them cause to come in. But if they come to the house because there was a complaint, uh, if there was barking, they're going to give you a warning. They're going to say, your dog's barking, the, late, you know, the neighbor complained, you've got to shut your dogs up. If it happens, we're going to have to give you a fine or worst case scenario, you know, there'll be some type of a legal proceeding or something. But they're going to push as much as they can to get in and look around. And um, 
you know, it's happened to me. And, um, well, I had someone staying at my house watching my dogs. And I don't know if there was barking. I wasn't there. But the neighbors called animal control. They came to the house. And the guy that was watching my house said, the owner isn't home. You can't come in. And they left. And he called me and told me what was up. And there was nothing they could do. <clears throat> I was grateful that he didn't let the guy, you know, these people come and roam all through my house taking pictures of everything. But yeah, and you, you don't need to do any, you don't need to help them get you in trouble. That's the thing. You don't want to open up a can of worms because like when I was touring around with the canine entertainment stuff, we'd have to be USDA inspected. And this goes a little bit level deeper, but like the food had to be in proper bins and sealed and like just all these little nitpicky things. You don't want to open yourself up to, oh, there's, you know, kibble in the backyard and there's bugs in the kibble. And now all of a sudden the animal control officer can start asking some more questions and poking around. You know, there's some green slime in the water outside. Like you don't need to create a problem where there isn't one. So bottom uh, bottom line is if animal control does come and they, you know, knock on your door, be polite, be respectful, but don't just invite them in for snacks and appetizers. Yeah. And the thing is the people that would invite the animal control officer in are the people that are doing a good job. You don't have anything to hide. It's just like when the police say, hey, we'd like to take you in and question you about this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and you know you're innocent. So you're like, yeah, fine. Happy to talk to you. I don't need a lawyer. I don't have anything to hide. Next thing you know, you're in deep shit. You don't even know what the hell happened. <laughs> <We're> not- <laughs> Someone's taking your picture and saying, yeah, that was the guy. Yeah, no, we're not trying to make you paranoid, but just be aware of your rights there and how to handle that situation. And it does come up sometimes. So getting back to all this social distancing stuff, we have kind of made the assumption that you can always control the situation. And I would say for the most part, you can. You were rushed one time in Cabela's when we had Cousteau and you just kind of just yeah. grabbed his muzzle and diffused the situation. But for the most part, you need to be aware of your surroundings as a dog owner when you're out and about and um, you not giving these cues and not inviting people in and everything else should keep people kind of at a distance. Now, if they just full on just walk into your space and you're just like at that moment, there's a few different things you can do. So explain what happened at Cabela's. Well, what I do is um, I will put the dog behind me or I will step in front of my dog completely, again, body blocking my dog from the public, especially with children. You know, the kids come in, they're, they're well-meaning, they want to see a dog, they're excited to see a dog, they're not thinking, they're not listening, they're not well-behaved, they're just kids, you know? And so I immediately body block and just to diffuse the situation, and, I'll, and I will say that my dog is a little bit nervous, or, you know, I, I don't say the dog is aggressive or unfriendly, I'll say the dog is shy and not good with kids, or something like that, to diffuse the situation, because if I say the dog is, has some aggression issues, then you get at the big thing of, well, what the hell is your dog doing out in public if it's going to bite someone? You know, you're not responsible, and they get into all of this back yeah, and Yeah, you're not trying again. to have any dialogue, and unless it's, like, your immediate neighbors, if you're out somewhere, make up freaking story. Like, the, the when Scott brought up the kids, that reminded me, some kids now are getting better about asking, hey, can I pet your dog? Because that's something that we're trying to teach the younger generation. So a lot of times that happens, and maybe I'm walking a pet dog somewhere else It doesn't even a dog I own. So I will say, thank you so much for asking, sweetie, but no, this isn't my dog. This dog's here for training or whatever else. Like, you don't have to say, oh, 
He's a fear. If he's fearful of people, tell him he has rabies. I don't care, but just get the people away. And if people are now like in your dog's space and that's happening, you need to do something physical. Hey, please stop. And again, you don't need to go right to the asshole card. You don't have to create a big conflict there. And sometimes the person is really upset. They're really offended. There was this video that went up, um, trainer friends of ours in Arizona, they were training a dog and this person was like pissed that the person couldn't come up and pet the dog. The dog was practicing a sit stay and this random person went to come up and they said, no, we're training right now. And it became a thing. The person's like, why is the dog in public if I can't pet it? And da, da, da. Because the dog is not there for you. <laughs> I mean, that's just the bottom yeah. line. The dogs are not out here for your own benefit. And it's not that your dog can never say hi to someone or anything else, but you have to weigh out the cost benefit analysis of all of that. Well, if you have a dog that is friendly and is, you know, calm enough to keep four feet on the ground and kids come up and they're polite and say, hey, could I pet your dog? You may decide to, if you have some treats, say, here, you can give them a treat. Here's a treat for you. Here's a treat for you. Put it out like this, like you're feeding a horse. Let the dog eat the treat out of your hand. They can have some interaction with the dog if you choose to do it. But I don't like, I don't know what the public is going to do. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I was in an airport. I was shipping a dog across the country in Malinois and I was in Cargo, Boston. cargo yeah, Boston, in Boston. Cargo. And this dog was super social. I mean, this. That's why we had to send her back. We only was, like the sharp ones. This dog was so loving. And uh, so this guy is in there in cargo and he goes, Oh, can I pet your dog? And I said, Yeah, sure. And I'm starting to fill out paperwork. He pets the dog. Next thing I know, he's on the floor, laying on the floor. The dogs, they're rolling around like having this big heyday. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) I had to pull the dog away from him. All he has to do is pet the dog. And it escalated that quickly to their slobbering all over each other and everything. And, you know... It's just too much. That is not social distancing. And with kids, it's similar too. Like maybe your dog is super calm. If your dog has a little bit of prey drive or something, kids really get in the mode of like, yeah, I want to pet the dog. And then they go to pet it. And then they start like pulling away and doing all this weird twitchy stuff. And for a dog that's drivey and has prey drive, that can activate them or it can also freak them out. Like, why are you acting like that? You know, they may be excited to do it and then maybe the hair feels different or they've been nervous before or something else. So if you are going to have interaction with kids with a social dog, like Scott said, starting with a treat and holding that out and then try to teach kids that like when you are going to interact with the dog, give them a full pet, even, you know, your own puppy and your own dog, like you want to instill, this is like the way that we treat a dog and you're going to stroke them calmly, not forever, not get them all worked up, but don't be retreating back. That doesn't help. And really the main reason that I'm conscious of this stuff, as far as how my dogs interact with other people is I want to be able to do anything to my dogs that I want. Like if I need to take their temperature, I want to be able to do that. I had my Malinois, he had a tooth cut out with Uh, local anesthetic. I've had a mast cell tumor taken off that same dog with local anesthetic. Like I want to be able to handle my dog in any situation and feel like I can make that happen. And a lot of times a vet needs to be there. I uh, fly with an ESA dog a lot of times, an emotional support animal. And the TSA needs to check my dog and their vest and be able to handle the dog. I want them to have good interactions with other people and neutral interactions. So if I have to stand there and be like, yeah, go ahead, pat down the the vest or do whatever. Or if I have to have some procedure done, I have control of the dog. And now they're not like, Oh, the vet's coming in and I'm freaked out and everything's an issue. You know, Scott's dog, who's a little bit sharp, the dog from Cabela's, we both go into the exam room. We handle him fine. We can lift up his tail to take the temperature. We can show any part of his body together, but we're not like handing that dog off to text to deal with it. But because he has not had negative interactions with people and we haven't let people make him feel stressed when he's with us, he knows he feels safe with us. So it's important that 
you're creating these boundaries and these ground rules so that you can let your dog go see people when and if you want in situations and they're comfortable with that. And if your dog is used to meeting every single person on the street and you decide the 10th person they're not going to meet, they better just march right by and go on with their walk and be comfortable and they're okay with that. They're not pining now over that person and reaching back like, oh, please, let's go back and see that person. And if something has to happen where, you know, they have a little bit of a sprained toe or something and it has to be manipulated, they're not freaking out because they're used to you just saying like, hey, I got your back. I'm going to make sure you're safe and I'm not going to let these assholes ruin your day or my day. Yeah, I mean, these days, a real good technique is, you know, take off the mask and start coughing in their direction (laughs) as they're approaching. (laughs) And you should get a nice, you know, wide berth as you walk down the boardwalk. At least if you're in the States. If you're anywhere else, I don't know. But That only happens in the Northeast, out in uh, Texas, I guess. They don't mind. You cough (laughs) all over each other. Stop it. These cigars. (laughs) I guess it's because he doesn't drink or do drugs or anything. Down in Florida, like, hey, cough on me, baby. But when, when he has these cigars, it gets a little bit spun out. No, but really, it's it's a really important thing to realize. And, it, you know, think about the cleavage thing. Just because it's there doesn't mean it has to be touched. And it's true. This is not the right shirt for that analogy. <laughs> I got to do laundry. Um, <laughs> I, I got to view how many podcasts I'm too, uh, too out there and how many I'm covered up. So really, though, you want to be an advocate for your dog. And you want the public. This is also like a PSA to the public. And the problem with this podcast is it's mostly dog listeners and mostly conscientious dog owners who are trying to, you know, do the best for their dog and everything else. But the general public needs to check themselves a bit rather than just be like, oh, that dog looks cute. Oh, I owned that breed when I was young. Like, I need to go and cuddle with him and pet him. Like, no, you don't. Go get your own damn dog. Go foster a dog. This isn't, our dogs are not there for your enjoyment. Our dogs are there to be under control, not create a nuisance in society, and for them to enjoy their lives and us to enjoy them in our lives. They have nothing to do with you. I really don't care. We bring dogs to the podcast sometimes. I want the interactions to be positive for them. We don't go and parade them all downstairs to everybody smoking cigars and sitting in the lounge. I don't care if they want to see the dog or not. They might not want to see the dog. Cigar smokers don't like dogs. So. <laughs> you know, I was going to say. Maybe it's just that dogs don't like cigar smoke. Uh, not to interrupt you, but it is, it's been proven, I guess, scientifically that petting a dog releases oxytocin in your brain. Did you say that already? Yeah. I mean, it's and like I'll, Groundhog Day. I know. <laughs> it literally is. But these people are getting high on your dog. You know, I was thinking about making a I'm t-shirt. Gonna... Make a t-shirt. It's like, you know, 10, 20 bucks, pet my dog, and see if they're willing to pay up. Because then I can just think. <laughs> Stand there and just collect 20s for an hour and a half. Okay, I'll step on the leash. Go ahead. Next. The, the petting booth. Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> Guys, if you have any questions on this, let us know. But this really is a thing, and it seems like, oh, you guys are over-exaggerating and everything else. Like, it's happened to us a ton of times. It happens to our clients a ton of times. Like, you, first of all, need to be an advocate, and you need to be more assertive and everything else. And just in general, just stay in your own lane. Deal with your own dog. Deal with your own dog within your friend circle and your family circle. Don't be branching out, especially if you're not welcome. Imagine doing it to other people's kids. Yeah. Just run up. Hey, can I pet your kid? <laughs> I, mean, they, <laughs> I mean, I've done it, but the parents aren't usually around. No, I'm See, just kidding. This is why he can't have cigars. <laughs> it's the cigar. All right. It's serious. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have to film somewhere else. Next week, we have a very, very special guest on, our dear friend from California, who's an excellent animal communicator. And in the meantime, guys, stay safe out there. Keep it quirky. And you know where to find us, studio at thequirkydog.com. Take care, guys. Talk to you later.
The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.